It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. Zach Blackerby here with you. Painter Sharpless of ESPN 106.7 at the controls. I love this studio so much better. It, it's comfortable. It's home. You know, you hosted the lunch break on ESPN 106.7 here. Now you do News Talk WANI with Auburn Opelika this morning. I just think here. it sounds better. I do like it. It's a little more spacious, but I think, you know, we're comfortable. It's good to be back inside. Would you call it Palatial Studio, studio A? Is yeah, that- Palatial Studio A. Absolutely. All right. That's it. That's it. There's a sign out there that says Studio A. It's kind of tucked away, but it does say it. It does say it. But, Matt Painter, one of the things I want to talk about, and uh, we mentioned it at the end of the, the conversation yesterday, Michael and I did, uh, you as well, you were, you were there with me uh, as well, about, no, you weren't. I'm getting my days off. You were there two days ago. But we, we, we talked with, um, we talked with you know, a Kent State beat writer, mm-hmm. and then we kind of recapped some of what Malzahn said Tuesday. And really the, the biggest thing, Seth Williams not playing this Saturday, he said Anthony Schwartz would get more touches, which you and I are still kind of puzzled by that. But what do you expect to see from Matthew Hill this week? I mean, this really has the makings uh, for him to kind of have a coming out party. And so he's kind of become my player to watch the more I think about this matchup because Auburn can't really gain a whole lot from this game. They could lose a lot from this game. But I, I'm trying to think, like, what's best case scenario? What does Auburn need to do this Saturday? And I think the answer is Matthew Hill. I think twofold. One, I think you're spot on with Matthew Hill. I think Auburn also needs to work on some of that inside zone and those base run plays. Mm -hmm. There is a limit, though, I think, to how much you can get out of that because if Auburn's offensive line can't bully this Kent State defense, then there may be actual problems when they get into SEC play. But to your point about Matthew Hill, yeah, I mean, Anthony Schwartz, I'm – perplexed about his role I'm really not interested in seeing him out there against Kent State because well you know we're going to I I think you're right and Gus Malzahn said as much you know I I think you're right about Matthew Hill Shedrick Jackson also while he's not a doesn't have a big role as a pass catcher he's been one of the best wide receiving blockers Um, he's out Seth Williams is out you know I, I think that for Matthew Hill this is an opportunity to really show something I don't I'm surprised, though, about the way this went. You know, when he came in as a freshman, a lot of people expected it to be him that got a lot of playing time and said it was Seth Williams who emerged as a true threat as a freshman. Then he had the great spring game. And and I do need to pause and say, all right, well, spring games, admittedly, I've said don't look too much into those. But he looked great, and we heard good things about him throughout the spring. Well, it, it depends. You know, what, what do they do to look great in the spring game? Are, are they just getting a lot of carries that they normally wouldn't get? But, I mean, you, you look at what... Hill did. I mean, he was extremely athletic. He got himself open. And so those are obviously traits that I think do translate to the following season. Now, you're right. It's a spring game. But I don't think there's any question regarding his ability. But we haven't really seen the opportunity or the ability yet so far this year. Two things that I've been perplexed about with this Auburn coaching staff and the message we got was the offensive line is the most improved unit on the team and I think it was perfectly fine for them to say that and that may have been the case also but thus far it has not played out like that at least 
how I see it. The other thing that I've been... Did they say that Tuesday or just before the season? Throughout the offseason, okay. yeah. It was, it was a question about you know who's improved and how much the offensive line had improved. And then Matthew Hill, I thought that he would really have a role in this offense, and it's early. We're only two games in. He very yeah. much might have a role in this offense. But again, just like the offensive line, I haven't seen it. Well, their roles are different, and, and I understand that when I'm saying this, but I mean, Malzahn's a creative guy, so I could see... I don't understand why Sal Canella is getting all of the reps and targets he is, and Matthew Hill isn't. Now, obviously, Sal Canella is a bigger guy, but as far as upside, I would much rather the ball be thrown towards and given to Matthew Hill in space than over Sal Canella. You know, you're kind of nodding your head. I think you agree with me there. No disrespect to Sal Canella. I just like the upside and the speed and the burst that Matthew Hill has. Better athlete. I don't really think that's a question. I mean, Sal's height is nice and you know they went to him a couple times in the Oregon game and uh, he had a nice catch in the Oregon game I think he also got interfered with late in that one and it did not get called Kirk Herbstreet seemed to believe so as well shout out to Kirk so he probably would have had at least two pretty significant catches even though it would not have amounted to a, a statistical you know chunk of yardage it would have been an important two catches but yeah I think in terms of upside their age what we've heard about them the way the coaches talk about them I'm confused about Matthew Hill's role thus far. And like you said, you can only do so much second guessing of the coaches because they see them in practice. But I don't understand why he hasn't gotten targeted more. The The bulk of what we've seen him, the most noticeable he's been, has been in that jet sweep role. And that's odd to me. That's odd to me that, you you know, you, that's kind of Eli Stove's role. He's He's earned that. At least until you know Schwartz comes back and you know is, is healthy and kind of gets out of that cast that he's wearing on his hand, but and maybe it's weird to use Stove more in this role. But I thought they might use Hill as an extension of the run game with those short passes, a lot like they did with Ryan Davis. Plus, he's a bigger guy than Ryan was, and so yeah. it felt like to me that'd be a good move. And you know, he he and Christian Tut were battling for that punt return job, so they're both good in space and they're both really athletic. It's just that, of course, you know, Hill in this conversation is the one we're talking to offensively. And, uh, but, you know, I, I think I'd like to see Tut, not Tut, excuse me, I'd like to see Matthew Hill have an opportunity to have the ball in his hands and make some plays. Because in the few moments we've seen him and from what we saw in high school, he's pretty electric. I 100% agree with you. Painter, fun game this weekend. You, you'll get the chance to see Auburn score a lot of points. And there's no better way to go to this game than to getting your tickets through Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime. Let the Vivid Seats app help you get your favorite live event tickets. You can enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. I know homecoming games and games like the two-lane games are you know a, a popular time because tickets are cheaper, so you can bring larger families, and so we want to help you do that. And the best way to do that, once again, is to download the Vivid Seats app and use promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of $100, or go ahead and buy tickets because two of the biggest games in college football are at Jordan-Hare Stadium later this season. Yeah, help us and the Locked on Auburn podcast by supporting the folks who support this show and make it possible. And it's a great opportunity because we want you guys to enjoy these experiences, like like Vivid Seat says. And I think that if you're listening to the show, you certainly enjoy being inside the stadium at great games, making memories. I mean... I understand that, you know, homecoming means a lot of things to different people and that the actual game we will watch this week will probably favor Auburn and it won't be all that close. Yeah. 
but it's a, a pretty laid back weekend. I think that's one of the fun things about homecoming in particular is that you can go into the experience hoping anyway that your team doesn't have to worry too much. You have a good time. Yeah, it should be stress free. No I, doubt I about agree. It. So enter pro, uh, promo code kickoff at checkout to receive a discount of up to one hundred dollars. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Something else that you said, Painter, that I thought was kind of interesting is you pointed out the coach's comments about the offensive line being the position group that improved the most you know, from last year to this year. And uh, the way you said it, the tone, it sounded like you were questioning that a little bit. So my question to you, and it's not that I disagree, I'm just asking the question. If it's not the offensive line that got better, what position group is it? I'm not convinced the receivers got better. Quarterback, I mean, you, you lost a fourth-round draft pick for a true freshman. I think Bo Nix is doing well, but I don't know if it's a step back right away. The running backs don't seem to have changed a whole lot. The defensive line is still solid. I think it's actually a little bit better. I like to play the linebackers a little bit more. The only other position group I can think of is the defensive backfield. You hit on the two I was going to say. I think, okay. And I actually think it's a little early to say for the linebackers because some of what I think last year's group did and the experience and knowledge they had is hard to quantify. Yeah. But I do think this this group of linebackers is much more athletic, and you've seen that in those first two games. So I'd say let's wait for that particular group, but I feel really good about where they're at early on in the season. It's, for me, not a question. The secondary. Last year, especially early on in the season, they got picked on. Now, LSU, the LSU game was kind of the, the big emphasis of that. Right, mm-hmm. and that was early on in the year, and it really, I think, set the tone. And unfortunately for Auburn, it wasn't a good one for the rest of the year. And then they got picked on against Tennessee as well. And You're just right. about everybody did against Alabama, but for what it's worth, Alabama did the same in the second half of that game. So, um, to me, I've been impressed with the secondary. And, and because the defensive line is perhaps the best, if not, you know, I think it's safe to say top five, right, in the country to this mm-hmm. point. If the secondary is improved, and it looks like it, the defense is getting into the realm, if they stay healthy, of being a top-five defense. I think, depending on how well the offense progresses, it's more likely this is a top-ten defense at the end of the year. I'm curious to know how long the offense... As far as rankings go? Right, yeah, yeah, and major statistical categories. But I do think this will be a top-ten defense. The only thing that could affect that is going to be like last year, how long is Auburn's defense going to be on the field? Because statistically, Auburn was good last year, but I think a lot of their numbers dipped, especially in the back half of the season. The defense was just on the field an insane amount of time. Yeah, it wore them out over the course of the season, no doubt about it. And a guy that we've talked about a ton, Christian Tutt, he has been incredible this year. Guys like Javaris Davis, uh, you know, we knew he'd be good. Noah Benogany was kind of the guy that I was circling going into this season, saying I can't wait to watch him. He's going to be so much better, and he's been incredible. But a guy that I have not talked about a lot, and the coaches love this guy, and he was a three-star. I think he was one of, if not the lowest-rated players in his recruiting class. Roger McCreary is a guy that it really sounds like his teammates Absolutely love him. Uh, Tom Green of AL.com has a story up. I'm pretty sure it's Tom that has it up at AL.com 
about Roger McCreary and really Jeremiah Denson just kind of saying, hey, I, you know, I made sure to go out of my way to tell him that he did a great job. Now he's a true sophomore, and he's a guy that they really think that this guy can be a very solid number three corner. That's, a, that's a, of course, if you're including if you're not including Tut as a cornerback, if you're just saying Tut is a, a nickelback. But, I mean, those four guys, as far as just having the skill set to cover in space at the corner-slash-nickel position, it's awesome. And something that I think is really good for Auburn is you got that mix, right? You've got Javaris Davis, who's a senior. You've got Noah Gwenogany, who's an upperclassman that could go to the draft at the end of this year, but he'll have the option to come back. And then you've got two guys that are here next year no matter what, or you can kind of say, okay, Christian Tutt's probably going to be the leader of this defense, especially the defensive backfield, because they're going to lose so much, especially if Noah goes to the draft. But then you've got Roger McCreary, who's getting just enough experience to say, okay, he can he can be fine as a number one or number two guy next year with another year of experience. So I, I love Roger McCreary's game, and I love this defensive backfield just because of the depth of it all. Right, six foot, hundred ninety pounds, had three tackles in that game against Tulane, a pass breakup. Um, in terms of the amount he was on the field and some of his production, it was probably one of his better games, and he got to you know showcase that, like you mentioned, just. By being on the field last year, he didn't have that opportunity, and this year he's getting that. Um, he wasn't talked about a ton over the offseason, but I think within that, if, if you were around some or, or listening uh, to the lunch break and, and to some other, I think, folks on the beat, you, you heard some positive things about McCreary, and so this probably isn't a shock to you. At the same time, though, Auburn's secondary looks good, I think, and, and they're is probably a little concern maybe at corner uh, uh, when you think about losing Noah because it seems like he could be headed off to the draft if, if things continue to progress. But As far as next year? Right. They're, yeah. they're looking pretty good at safety, I think, with some of the young talent. I think they're looking pretty good, like with guys, you know, McCreary and Tut. I, I think it's going to be okay even if, um, you know, Noah's off to the NFL and, of course, Javaris Davis will run out of eligibility. Right. And, and it seems like he's been – here for forever, which is, is a good thing. But, you know, I, I'm not against a guy like Jordan Peters getting more reps down the road. He's a guy that I've really liked in this Auburn secondary, even when he was a true freshman. It seems like he made plays when he was in kind of in that dime role. And so, obviously, with these guys leaving, you know, we've really only seen him in the middle of the field. So, you know, maybe if both of Auburn's corners leave next year, you see Christian Tutt move to the outside. Maybe you put Peters more inside in that nickel role. We'll see. But they, they've got the guys to, to, to play so you know I, the, the, this coaching staff has done such a good job of kind of seeing what's coming as far as guys leaving and reacting to it so uh, you, you gotta love that you absolutely gotta love that I want to give a shout out to our friends at Fetch Me they are run by an alum of Auburn and have the greatest variety of restaurants to order and get your meal delivered in Auburn and Opelika if you are looking to have your family meal delivered in less than 40 minutes, you need to go to Fetch Me. Fetch Me has a great selection of anything you want, including meals from your favorite restaurants, groceries, and coffee. I have to say Fetch Me also has the friendliest and fastest service in town. Fetch Me does that because their mission to change the delivery experience by ensuring each order is delicious, accurate, timely, and most of all, you have a great experience. Fetch Me is the best in the business. Go check out Fetch Me at FetchMeDelivery.com and use promo code FetchMe20 to get your first delivery free. That's FetchMe20 for your first delivery free. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, 
including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. If your company is interested in advertising and marketing to men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Auburn is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if you want to advertise to male listeners between 18 and 44, this is your chance. Plus, our rates are pretty reasonable. Email me at LockedOnAuburn at gmail.com to get more information. I look forward to hearing from you. Painter, I uh, I believe the story was also from AL.com, and I want to read this to you and kind of get your thoughts on it, your comments on it. But the SEC on CBS debuts this Saturday. Alabama travels to South Carolina. Um, of course, Gary Danielson will be on the call for that. But he uh, he spoke to media yesterday, I assume it was a teleconference, and he answered questions about Tua and Bo, and I want to read his comments about Bo Nix. I, uh, I thought it was interesting. He said, uh, I'm just going to read his quote verbatim. Quote, you can already see it. Nope, that's the wrong one. That is the wrong one. Here he is. Bo Nix is an interesting guy. He fits what Gus likes to do on offense. So that is going to be a comfort factor. He likes to compete. He looks at seniors and kind of says, hey, shut up. I'm the quarterback. You pray for guys like that to be your quarterback. No one is exactly comfortable with them. But Bo has that leadership gene you can't teach. I don't disagree with it. I just think it's interesting that that he's already kind of picked up on that after watching him just two games. I'm curious to know who he has talked with because that seems to be pretty insightful, and that's right. He's not just saying that, right? Because like I, the the hey, shut up comment. Like I, I'm the quarterback. Listen to me. Like he's had to have been told that, right? You can't just watch the games and know that. And you can watch the game, I think, and see that for a guy that's a true freshman, he does carry himself differently. And for Auburn fans, they should be excited about the way that he does seem to lead the team, even though he's had all of two games now to do so. I, th- yeah. I think the thing that some Auburn fans are disappointed about is that he hasn't come out and lit the world on fire statistically. But I think right. what's more important right now as a guy that has played all of two games, one of which was against, I mean, it was one of the, the most competitive games we've had so far in college football this year against a it, good Oregon it's team. It's the second best win in college football right now. Yeah, so... Yeah. They got the job done. That should matter more to Auburn fans. than. And then as the season progresses, I'd, I'd say it's twofold. One, let's not forget that he's going to continue to make some mistakes as a young quarterback because he just hasn't been around very long and the, the speed of the game is different. Two, let's also remember that in 2010, 13, and 17, the best years of Gus Malzahn's coaching as a yeah. OC or head coach here, it took about a month for things to get rolling. And that was with a new quarterback at each turn. You had Cam Newton, Nick Marshall, and Jarrett Stidham. And it took about a month. And then even still, I mean, you think about that LSU loss that they suffered in 2017. That was about halfway through the season. And after that, they were significantly better. So I would say give it time four to six weeks in. If he's still, you know, 10 of 30 for 175 yards, then you might have some reason for concern. Right now, it's just important that they continue to win, and I think they've got to establish more of a run game to do so and help him out. Yeah, and I've been very clear on my opinion on this. I don't think Bo's the issue with his offense. I think it's the inability to run block, and 
and, and run the football. And I don't know, obviously both are at fault to some extent, but I don't know which one is more, if it's the the running backs or the offensive line. I, I think it's more the offensive line, if I had to guess. I'm not super impressed with any of the Auburn's running backs so far through two games. Uh, I think Booby Willows had the most opportunities, but you know, surprised we haven't seen more Sean Shivers, surprised we haven't seen more Cam Martin. We've seen virtually no DJ Williams, which is interesting to me. I'm, I, I'm really curious to see if we see more of him on Saturday. But continuing Gary Danielson's um, comments on Bo, he, he continued saying, quote, but in my mind, he is nowhere near a finished product. For me, I thought he played an average to above average game against Oregon, but he hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth inning to, do, to win the game. He made three throws that not a lot of guys can do. Thought that was interesting. Thought that was worth mentioning right here on the Locked On Auburn podcast. I've been pleased with them. I know that's not going to please all, some Auburn fans to hear that. I just like, what else do you want him to do? That's that's within reason. What else do you need him to? I do? I think what people were hoping for Zach was, you know, a, a twenty of twenty-seven type game against Oregon, where he hit two hundred yards for two touchdowns, and that would have been great. That would have been fantastic, in fact. Mm-hmm. But I think. You've got a couple of different things at play. And I just can't stress enough how much of a difference it must be for him to be playing at this level. Now, I think he's probably more prepared than most quarterbacks. One, because of his skill level, but also because of who his dad is and how he's been groomed for this and that his dad did it and knows what it's like to adjust to that speed and and that level of play. If the run game can be more efficient, if the run game can be better, and I think that they will, maybe not as much in this Kent State game, although I think you'll see it some, but I think in the AM game you will see more Bo Nix running the football. That's going to help the run game as well. He's got wheels. He's not going to look to tuck it a ton, but I think five give or take rushes a game where he holds onto the ball you know, is, is a threat in the running game. And then the, the thing he does best is extending plays and getting his receivers open. All of that's going to make him a better, more comfortable passer. And I think they're trying to do that. I think they're trying to put Bo in situations where he can pull it and and run. I don't think the defense is letting them do that. I think the defense that they're playing against so far, both Oregon and Tulane, because he's had one or two in both of those games so far, but I just think the way they're lining up with their defensive ends out a little bit wider, I think they're trying to take that away, and that could help. Yeah, but the the issue with that is is normally when you line up wider on the defensive front, then your offensive line can capitalize on it if you run it up the middle. But the guards just haven't been able to do that so far this season, and so that's that's kind of the issue. And, and I think you'd agree with me on that. Uh, we've got a Twitter question. All right, this is from uh, Lacey. All right, let's check this out. Um, he said, "I think to get Sean Shivers and Harold Joiner." More involved in the offense is to line them up as wide receivers since we are thin at the position. Maybe some four wide sets with Stove, Shivers, Hastings, and Joyner from left to right. I think that would open up the running game too. Just a thought. I don't disagree with it. I, I think if Auburn runs a four wide set, it's going to open up the running game. The issue is, is they are putting in an H-back. Most of the time it's Spencer Nyer. They're putting an attached tight end in the box. And so it's bringing another player, a defensive player, in the box with them. But I don't think they trust the blocking. So that I, th- I think that's why they're doing it. Bo Nix also may feel more of a comfort if there's more guys around him. That that could be a preference that they figured out, you know, through through practice and scrimmages and and all of that. But I agree with a four wide receiver set helping out the running game. 
The issue is, is if you do that, I don't think they're going to really respect the run a whole lot, but I just don't think you can win the one-on-one matchups that you need because that's what it's forcing, right? Because if you've got four guys out wide and you've got a running back in the backfield, you've got your defensive back spread out, but you've got just a bunch of one-on-one matchups in the box. So you got five offensive linemen going up against five defensive guys, and I just don't believe that they can consistently win those matchups. Uh, and, and that's the issue that they're running against. So instead, they're choosing to put an H-back in there to, to help with the blocking schemes, and most of the time so far this season, that hasn't worked, at least to what Malzahn is capable of doing in the past. I agree. I think that Auburn feels right now that they need to have additional help in the backfield to give him time. He has not had a ton of time to step up in the pocket. I've heard some fans say, I wish he would stay in the pocket. I I would say I get where you're coming from, and there are some throws where I think that's totally accurate. I also think some of his best is when he's moving around and throwing receivers open. I think that's part of his game of being athletic and quick is extending plays and eventually finding someone that's open because it's so difficult to cover good wide receivers for long periods of time. Yeah. I, I just – I don't – I don't think right now Auburn feels comfortable enough to not have an advantage in numbers in the blocking game. And I don't think we should chalk all of this up to scheme. You know, and I mentioned it briefly just then, but I'm sure it's nerve wracking standing in an empty pocket. I'm sure it's nerve wracking not having a guy in front of you and, you know, everybody being behind you. Because usually in the shotgun of Malzahn's offense, it's kind of almost like an offset pistol because it's a step back a little bit. So I wouldn't be shocked if Bo Nix enjoys that if he gets a sense of comfort with being able to see a guy in the backfield lining up there I don't know I don't know but there's a reason why they're doing it they know more about that Mm -hmm. than we do I think a lot of it isn't the play calling I know a lot of folks like to hate on Gus I really think it's execution when it comes down to it and the offensive line has been an issue so far I'm I'm right there with you I know people are frustrated with the vanilla conservative play calling in Tulane I think that's okay and I think it was and that's going to annoy people you know People are going, well, why is that okay? You can't be so predictable. One, they're not going to be as predictable when they start conference play. Mm-hmm. Also, to the same point, they have got to be more consistent with their execution. In 2013, I'm not convinced Auburn had more than half a dozen plays. But they executed them so well, it did not matter about the predictability. And so my point in saying that is, you can be conservative against Tulane and Kent State. You can be vanilla, but you are better than those teams. Your execution is what, to me, is the concerning point. And at times, offensively, they just, I think, weren't great. And as far as the personnel uh, in this question, four wide sets from left to right, Stove, Shivers, Hastings, and Joyner from left to right. One, it's, okay, I, I'm just not convinced that any of those guys are going to consistently win one-on-one matchups outside of Hastings. Stove, I don't like in the passing game. I think he's a great runner, and I think he's great once he has the ball in his hands. I just don't like him running downfield. And obviously, you can do a lot of different things with a four-wide receiver set. I'm all for Shivers and Joyner. I mean, the bottom line here, I think, is asking about the running backs going to wide receiver. I, I'm all for Shivers and, and Joyner playing wide receiver or doing something kind of gimmicky but you know I, I've talked to coaches that 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 don't know each other and they've said similar things to me about how Malzahn has all of this talent on his roster 
and he feels like he needs to be gimmicky. Like if Joyner comes into the game, I'm expecting something weird to happen. I'm expecting some kind of weird play. Once again, that could be on purpose to to throw off the defense because when Joyner comes in, they've got to play it differently than they normally do. So I don't know if that's a long-term thing. I don't know if it's a, okay, we really like Joyner, so we've got to find a way to get him involved. I don't know what the answer to that is, but it is interesting and you know they like to move some stuff around in the backfield whenever he's in. You know that that play against Oregon, I love that play call, but I would like Joyner just to be in as a normal running back or as a normal big slot, you know, put him in for Sal Canella a few snaps a game just to see what it looks like, just to see if he's able to do that and kind of create some space, but I don't know if we are going to see that. But I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. This team has talent. Yeah, that's not the issue. They probably need to figure out how to maximize it. I think every, you know, even Alabama, for all their talent, there is certainly a a challenge in figuring out the best way to use it all. And Auburn isn't that far behind some of those schools at the top when we're looking at LSU and Georgia and Clemson and Alabama. And we've seen in 2017 and years past where Auburn can overcome a little bit of that difference in talent on the roster and they can win those games. And this year may be no different, but right now I think Auburn's offensive line, especially the interior has got to be more consistent. The run game, which is the the crux of everything that this offense wants to do just has not been consistent enough to really help out its quarterback. My wife just sent me a picture of a sectional on Wayfair. That's $2,018. Why did she send me that? Did she think I'm going to buy her a $2,000 sectional? What do you think's up with that? It's a good-looking sectional. Oh, it's gorgeous. I like it a lot. I think she has good taste. It's beautiful. I think that she forgets what it is we do for a living. <laughs> the joys of local radio, baby. It's a good It's a good gig if you can get it. It's fun. But know that you can't get the best sectional out there. <laughs> or you're going to be saving for a while. Right. Right. Like, let's put it. Let's put together a plan. We can put together a plan, but all right. Painter, where can people find you and hear you, bud? <laughs> 11 to 1, catch the lunch break. Justin Ferguson and me, we love bringing you Auburn sports news. Basketball season not too far off. The uh, the roster and the SEC schedule were made final this week, so that's exciting. Gosh, can't I'm, wait. I'm super excited yeah. to talk SEC hoops this year. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Paint Sharpless. Would love to follow and love any interaction Mean tweet me, positive tweet me, whatever works for you. I'm at Paint Sharpless. I'm on Twitter at Z Blackerby, and the show is on Twitter at Locked On Auburn. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn Podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 